You don't do your clap anymore. You never do your clap anymore. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This let's is, this go. Is, yeah, let's go. It's always good to have an audience. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Orion. Alongside me is the fabulous Pippa Sturt. Hi, Andy. <laughs> and today we are joined, hello Pippa, and today we are joined by Noam Bahar. Noam is Chief Growth Officer of Wild Market, an online platform enabling artisanal producers to sell directly to consumers. Wild Market is on a mission to help food producers gain a route to market and receive fair prices, give consumers access to the healthiest produce directly to their home, and help the planet benefit from ethical food production along the way. Welcome to the podcast, Noam. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. So I think, uh, yeah, it's always nice to start with um, what is keeping Noam up at night. I, I just came from our warehouse in Twickenham. It was, uh, we were packing all, all morning and afternoon in there. So, so how does it work? It's open. The online market is open yeah. Wednesday from seven a.m. to two p.m. Okay. So the way it works on Tuesday, we hear from the producers what they have. So the fishermen tell us what they landed. Yeah. The cattle farmers tell us what they have. How many cows they've killed that week? How many cows they killed? <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It does depend. For example, we did have a lot of goat this week, which okay. is quite rare. And actually, was super popular. And when did when did they tell you? When did you say on Monday? Or so that's on Tuesday. On so Tuesday. On, on Tuesday, we basically populate the the market, and then when you come in Wednesday at seven a.m., you know what's on the market. Yeah, and it's online, so you're not. It's online. You're not it's physically. But it's like right. a it's like a proper market. It's open one day a week at a particular time. Exactly, and it's almost this kind of beautiful market that is really in your dreams because you have you know you have langoustine and you have all kinds of like maybe 10 kinds of fish and you have scallops and you have all kinds of meat. So we have lamb and, and, and cattle and, uh, and goat and kimchi and other ferments and uh, charcuterie. So it's like everything and everything is super, super fresh. For example, the fish, usually if you go to fishmonger, uh, really, even a really good fishmonger, the fish traveled for two, three days from yeah. where it was landed to, to the fishmonger's shop. It takes that long to get there. I yeah. mean, I mean, a train in England can get there in a couple of yeah, hours. Yeah, but quite often it? it's been caught in Spain, right? No, no, oh. it's it's there's a lot that's caught here actually. But then you know the fishermen would sell it to the wholesaler yeah. in Devon or in Cornwall, and they bring it to the fish market here in London. And you know sometimes you're lucky and you you get the fish on the day it arrives to the shop. But often, yeah. if it's a popular fish, you'd you'd get the fish that the fishmonger bought three, four, five days ago because they're not going to sell you. The, the newest fish, they're going to sell you the oldest fish. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I mean, the fish are amazing. We, I, mean, I mean, you really, really the feel the difference. Makes a difference. You yeah. really feel the difference because it's so fresh. Uh, yeah. And it's it's really different to anything you've bought re- in London. And then maybe. I go online and I buy it from you and then when do I get it? The next day? So on Thursday, we do all the processing and the dispatching and you get it on Friday morning. So they tell you what they got on Tuesday. You 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 get it on Friday morning. If I'm buying fish, a box with ice turns up. Or? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with ice packs, not ice. Yeah. And how do you you know? There's the is it Natura, who's a sort of quite a big player out there and sort of you know fork to table kind of stuff. It, yours yours is a sort of different because it, no, I haven't heard anyone do an online market that's only open sometimes of the day. Well, yeah, that's yes. that's, that's that's a beauty here. It, really, one of the points here is that it allows really small producers a route to market. Because if you set up to be a farmer now or a producer of any agricultural goods, you can go one of two ways. 
You can either play by the book. So essentially Monsanto will tell you what to do. That's the kind of long and the short of it. Yeah. Because, you know, okay, you've got the field. Here, is the, uh, here are the seeds. Here are the fertilizers. Here are the chemicals you need to kind of put. And remind me, Monsanto is the giant um, uh, company. The that giant agri, uh, agribusiness. Yeah. So there's a few, there's about three of them who are kind of basically, the, it's like triopoly. Mm. So they sell you the seeds and they tell you exactly what to do with them and what chemicals to purchase in order for, for, for the seeds to, to yield maximum yield. Um, so they, they control the whole process, essentially. They tell you the seed, they sell you the chemicals, they tell you what to do. So farmers can do that. It's kind of safe money, but the margins are very, very low, one, one problem. And the other problem is that a lot of farmers don't want to do that because they don't feel that this is the right thing for, for the planet, for, for our health. It's against their conscience, basically. And then they're in a, in a, in a serious problem because who's going to buy their, their produce? I mean, usually they want... I mean, these are not huge farmers, these are small farmers, so they have small batches. How are they going to sell it? Because they, they deserve a premium. They, they expect a premium because the yields are not as big as if you do the Monsanto playbook. And then they don't have a route to market. So what we give them is, is, is the route to market, and what we give them is the ability also to set the prices. So, you know, obviously if you sell to Tesco, Tesco is pretty much telling yeah. you, know, telling you. What, what's, what's going to happen. But on our platform, they say, you know, we want 10 pounds a kilo for this fish. Uh, we take our commission, but they, they set the price. Yeah, and the money goes straight to them. There's no massive, I mean, the over overhead is you having a warehouse or something. Exactly, right? and we don't, we, I mean, what's amazing in this business model is that we don't have a stock risk. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. what, what we get from the producers they is They tell exact, you what they're going to give you and they, then they, they send they, it. Exactly, they tell us what's the stock. We tell how much how much we sold, and then they sell. Yeah. They, they send us only how much, the, the amount that we ah, sold. Ah, okay, okay, okay. They tell us what they have. They send us what they need. You sell it, okay? Um, yeah. I mean, you always want the perfect shop, don't you? You know, carrying stock is the death of any shop. I mean, I was I was thoroughly amused when Made.com went down because my friend was working there, and I was like, "Hang on, why were you amused? Your poor friend." I know that wasn't very fun for him, but it was amusing why they went down because why you know Made.com was a perfect business they you you order your table online they order it in china you wait three months for them to make it and send it to you and people would put up with it and then what happened with covid is the delays got longer and longer so they ended up with like you ordering a table and it taking a year and a half people going bananas so i would have loved to seen this meeting when the executive said do you know what we're going to do you know what we should do we should carry stock and everyone went that's a great idea that's <laughs> so they started buying stock and they destroyed their businesses six months because they brought all the wrong things and they didn't have uh, it where they needed it that's what happened mm. right. so they the I mean, I honestly, you in these meetings, someone should, I'm sure someone was trying to get a word in it where I said, Wait, hang on, isn't our entire business model based on this genius idea that we don't carry stock? Yeah, it destroyed them. And my friend didn't even get, um, you got statutory redundancy. I mean, it just went mm, boom. Okay. You use this word artisanal, which, yeah, we sort of felt is that there's a craft suggestion. It really means really small maybe does it to you what does that mean to you not necessarily i mean often it is there's also always a challenge of growing a business and and keeping the integrity going you know my my previous uh, job was obviously otolenghi and over there I, I feel that we have been very successful in growing a, a business from being very tiny and artisanal to being not huge but a lot bigger and still artisanal so mm. it's not impossible there's a lot of pitfalls, a lot of kind of temptations that uh, lie on your way and you need to, to navigate. 
But yeah, I mean, what it means, I would say, is that it means organic growth and slow growth. You can't grow an artisanal business super fast. That's not possible. It's not about scaling. Yeah, the growth has to be organic, yeah. You see it, and we talk about it a lot on this podcast, all sorts of restaurants that grow too quickly and start off amazing grow way too quickly and the quality just drops through the floor. Yeah. Mm. So it's like keeping the two things in balance, presumably. Correct. What's your sort of passion within it? I mean, what, what what's your sort of drive? It's a great opportunity for me because when I left Otolenghi, uh, I'm still I'm still a, a non-executive there, but I'm not I'm not involved in the day-to-day now. <clears throat> I, I thought, okay, what 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 do I feel like doing? Mm. And you know, because I was kind of running 25 million per annum business. You were hilariously casual. Well, I was sort of kind of running this. <laughs> no, because I, well, it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't clear who's running. I mean, yeah. we kind of ran it together. <laughs> yeah. I could have gone and done, you know, tried to do something on, on this level. And I thought, no, I mean, I, I'm kind of bored of board meetings. Mm. I want to go back and start something new. Um, that's, that's actually what, what, I, what I enjoy the best. So when Nick offered me to join, it was um, it was great because it was it was exactly what I wanted. Kind of small group, really good people doing something really exciting. But what's amazing in uh, in Wild is that it really speaks to my interest in health and in the connection between food and health. Over the last few years in Otolenghi, I talked to I met more and more farmers, and you know I I understood where this expression "salt of the earth" is coming from because. They're just, I mean, I met amazing people. Mm. Connect, are connected to their environment. Con, yeah, have have real responsibility, sense of responsibility to what they're doing. In Yiddish, we have we have this uh, expression "luftgeschäften," which is air business. So you know, here okay. we're not in London. We're all doing air business. It's bullshit. It's, it's all services. It's, bu- it's all bullshit. Yeah. And these guys, you know, they they are there with their cows, they are there with their crops, and they really care about it. There's a sense of belonging and uh, and a sense of uh, of duty to do the right thing. Also, in the UK, you know, in English, we have the word husbandry. Yeah, exactly. You know, which is about taking care of things and nurturing things, exactly and, that, and growing things. Exactly. Which, if you if you're doing a an app. <laughs> probably doesn't it's not got the same it's resonance. not wivery I noticed yeah. too wivery wivery would it be wivery 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 but it's not there isn't a word for that yeah I, I remember when I went veggie for a while much to my dad's uh, shock because traditionally the business has got a lot of farmers as clients you know that's traditionally what a lot you know back we've been going since 1935 my grandfather you know there was a lot of great farmers that you know and there still are and we still have farmers but I remember him saying to me you know that People in this country really care about their animals. I mean, as in he said, I, you know, I've got, he mentioned one of his clients said, I think he cares about his animals more than he cares about his kids. And I was like, all right. But, you know, there are, there are all sorts of complications about we don't let them live very long because we're scared of disease and stuff like this. So, you know, the, you know he, he was making a simple point at the time that, you know, the, the issue isn't so much that it's wrong to have animals. It's just maybe when we all got a bit too paranoid about diseases and started deciding to kill them after one year rather than sort of three years and things like this, that it sort of gets down to, a, well, are we getting down to a point that they don't really have a life? But would you reflect that in this country we are, I guess, caring farmers? I mean, the standard here is a lot higher than in, in the US, for example, because, you know, we're blessed with lots of grass. And, yes. You know, yeah. cows like grass. Yeah, uh, <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the the normal cow, the kind of standard cow, 
would live most of its life on grass, and then uh, for three, four months, the end, before it's uh, meant to be slaughtered, um, it will be fed on grain. Is that to like plump it up? Exactly. How so long did you say? How long on grass? Three, four months. Ah, well, most of its life. So it depends. Because they live what one, two years a lot of the. More like two or three. And if they live naturally, they could make. I mean, cows would live to 10, 15, 20 they years, could, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I just, I know it's a bit of a sidebar, but it's like that sort of ethical question. It's like, you know, cows, you know, if you get a, you know, Aberdeen cattle and stuff, you know, they have lovely lives, but they're short, you know, and, 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 and what is okay? You know, would we be okay? I sort of, as a basic, I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to hit 40 before you put the bullet in my head. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's but like, I don't think cows are thinking. You know, particularly <laughs> I, I think esoteric. It's, 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 a, it's a fair there. point. It's a fair point. I mean, I think what, what we do do really badly often is how how we treat the cow. Mm. So, if you feed it on grain in the states, for example, to be on grain most of their lives, basically it's junk food. Okay, so it's like eating. So it's like feeding. You know, it's Donald like, Trump's like yeah. Diets. It's like feeding. Big it's like Max. feeding children. Chips all day. Chips all day. And they obviously they get very fat. Yeah. Uh, and very unhealthy. And then they need antibiotics. And, and you know, mm. and if, if, you, if you feed grain, then really you don't need the field. So it's much easier to kind of put them in a small pan. And, yeah, yeah. and they're just on each other and they don't experience the life that cows should have. So I, I think, you know, we should consider the fact that we take their life very, very seriously. And therefore, we should have a sense of respect to them. And, and the, the respect is, okay, we'll give you as good a life as you can have, as respectful life as you can have. And also, it's, it's how we kill them because um, there's abattoirs that really don't care about how, how it's done in this abattoir. I thought it was all done the same, the, 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 the bullet. No, thing, the, it's, the, um... no, there's a lot of thinking that can go into, I mean, maybe the last, the moment of this patch is the same, but it's really about How the, scared they get beforehand and that kind of thing. Exactly, how, how scared they get. I mean, I should really go to, to see an abattoir. I think everyone who eats meat mm. should go and see an abattoir. Yeah. And, you know, if they continue, if, uh, just do that, right? I mean, I think it's, it's, it should be part of our almost moral duty Okay, you, you saw it, you, you still want to eat the meat? Fair, fair enough, but maybe that's what, something we should think about as a society. I had a lovely suggestion I heard, weirdly, a conversation that came out of someone from, from Israel, because of course you have the army service and stuff, and then there's, you know, there's benefits to it, you know, and, and then I, I, I was like, you know, I believe in some sort of service, but community service as well, and with Albatroix was one of the examples, it's like, the other place to go work where the rubbish goes. Yeah. You know, that changes you, apparently. I mean, yeah. my... I always remember this story. My friend Rue worked for when they clean up Glastonbury. And oh my God, the story she had. She said, You see humanity, yeah. you just see us just like, absolutely most terrible. I mean, they, they found a shit in a bra and a tree and stuff like this. It's just like, what the hell? Yeah, she said, but you just see, you see it all. You're just like, you're just dumbfounded. But yeah, if we all, if I spent three months working in an abattoir, three months working in a rubbish place when I'm 18, 19, you know, you don't have to do army, but you could. I know, think you'd be, be really bad in the army. I'm not going to lie. I, I did do a bit really... of army and I was terrible. But yeah, it, it would be very formative, wouldn't it? You would Absolutely. never forget it. Mm. And you would respect the world and life and everything deeply, as it were, but you probably get a lot of people giving up meat, probably. Yeah, well, maybe it's the right thing. I mean, you, you said about food and health and the, and the connections and everything, and a, a bit like the cows eating badly and stuff. You know, do you, are you very much, you are what you eat, and, you know, if you eat 
good stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. it's and processed yeah. food is the enemy and things like this. And I think so. I mean, I, I think, I think there's a easy, pretty easy rule about that. Actually, you know, we evolved through through millennia uh, eating a certain type of food, mm. and I think it stands to reason that what we need to eat is what evolution has tended to feed us, essentially. Yeah, so yeah. without ruminants, there wouldn't be a human race. When the weather is cold, people depended on, you know, on, on, on animals to... On, on things for the animals. good fat content and milk and, and all those things, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, so, I mean, this whole, this whole idea that, that meat is bad for you, I mean, I'm like, how can it be? I mean, if the human race evolved, it, well, it is a European, the Caucasian kind of branch of it, evolved eating meat, how can it be bad for you? What's bad for you is the red meat. It is produced in a shameful way. Oh, I was going to ask, because they say red meat's bad for you, but I, that I get stuck on. I'm like, because I've grown up with my dad, with his farming clients, getting the best meat, you know, he can. And, and, and I just cannot believe that the red meat, for some reason, is evil. So this whole thing, so this whole thing with the grain is, um, is actually changing the, the biochemical um, uh, content of the meat. So we we all know now that omega three is good for us and omega six is less good for us. Mm. Grains is very rich in omega six. The beef is turning from very rich in omega three, which is great for you, to very rich in omega six, which is not so great for you. Yeah. Um, there's other um, essential fatty acids um, that that are disappearing in this process. Um, so essentially, you're not. There's a lot less cholesterol in grass-fed meat. Interesting. Um, because it's obviously a lot less fat. There's also there's another thing. The cows are also what they eat, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what farmers tend to do now, the farmers that we're working with in wild, they tend to the soil. Because they say if the soil is good, then the grass that grows on it well, is good. Well, that's the original principle of organic farming. Uh, so Craig Sam's and everything was about keeping carbon in the soil so that you could produce good crops. Exactly. So so what you need to, t- to take care of is the soil. So a lot of the uh, meadows, for example, are because they've been over, overgrazed, they're quite poor in, in nutrients and in um, biodiversity. So what, what you want is, is a meadow that has 15, 20 different varieties of grass and then the soil is healthy because each plant takes from the soil but also gives to the soil. And the cows are healthy because they eat a wide variety of plants. So what uh, regenerative farmers would do if, if they kind of go into a field that was, most fields will be destroyed in, in such a manner because if the cows just live on one, on one field, they graze, they graze, they graze, they graze. And what's, what stays is just the most hardy two or three grasses and thistles and it's quite poor. So what the correct practice is basically what herds used to do in the past, which is completely decimate an area and then move on, completely decimate this area and then move on and then move on. And then they want to be back to the area that they eaten in for three, four, five, six months. And that's what farmers do now. So they would take one part of the field, would let the cows eat it completely, move them to another part, and the cows can't come back to that part previous part for another four or five uh, depends on the weather and and, mm. and and so on until they the farmer says that the grass has grown back to being healthy and, and and diverse and underneath it the Monsanto argument is kind of that if you approach if you approach food and farming from a scale point of view from a, you will deliver X for three pounds or whatever that 
you you end up coming at it with the wrong mindset. It just becomes mass production because you end up saying, well, we'll just use fertilizers, we'll yeah, use we'll technology. Just we'll get just get it artificially to a point where we can grow stuff on it again. Yeah, because there's always the argument that comes in quite quickly. They say, yeah, well, the poor can't afford to eat well. You know, this idea of us all eating organic, delicious, you know, I, I can afford to go and buy the one that's, you know, grass-fed and organic. It's, and- it's, it's, it's a very um, important discussion. And, and I think everyone from poor to rich should, should spend more on food. I mean, the percentage of income that as a society we, we spend on food has gone gone down, I don't know, 40 or 70 percent. And that's what, not including restaurants, just including, no, no, this is just, yeah, yeah what yeah. do I cook at home? What do I cook at home? So we, we as a society decided to cheapen the food that we consume, and the consequences are a lot more chronic disease. I mean, just two days ago, there was a, uh, an article in The Guardian that cancer... Yeah, that's right, it was in the FT today, yeah, mm-hmm. so 30% increase in cancer for those under 40 over the 80%. last 20 years. Oh, it's 80%? 80%. Wow. For me, it was really poignant this, this article because one very, very good friend and two, two friends passed away in the last two months from cancer. Wow. Mm. And, I, and, I, and, I th- and I thought back, I thought, I can't remember any friends of my parents when I was like a teenager. I can't remember anyone dying of cancer. It felt much rarer. Yeah. So as a society, we're definitely doing something wrong. As a society, we, I, I don't think it's unidimensional. I think it's multifactorial. Mm. I think it's food, I think it's toxins, I think it's plastics, other, whatever. Other things, yeah. You know, you are what you eat is, is an axiom that makes sense to everyone, I think. I mean, getting back to your business, is it within this, therefore, what's, what's driving you is you want to create something beautiful? You know, is this something that scales? I mean, is this something that becomes national and huge? Well, and- it's, it's national already, obviously. I mean, we, we deliver oh, nationally. Right. Uh, we, and we deliver nationally. Um, you know, it will scale to an extent. I mean, like Otolenghi, I mean, Otolenghi is never going to be in every street corner, but it's scaled very, very, very nicely. And it, it's got a lot of room to scale further. You know, will we compete with Tesco? No. Uh, can it grow a lot bigger? Definitely. Yeah. It's it's a good thing that we're doing. That's uh, that's always a good, a good point to start. And I also think that the interest of people, the, the interest in what food represents and what it does to our health and uh, the dangers in the wrong type of food. I think that's a, an idea and a kind of um, this public topic that is only gaining momentum. Yeah, it's getting more and more. People's people's awareness of stuff is getting greater and greater and people are caring a it's lot almost, It's almost, I mean, it's almost becoming a social obsession, I would say. Mm, for a lot. And and I think you know, and there's so many uh, there's so many answers. And like I said, for me, the the, the simple answer is go simple. I mean, you know, mm. if your grandmother ate it, then it's it's good for your, you know. Okay, we sell kimchi. So if you if a if a great a grandmother well, in you, Korea yeah, ate yeah. it, then then it's good. But if if your grandmother or your grand great grandmother didn't eat it, then you don't want it. My grandmother, I can remember her doing this. Used to eat dripping sandwiches. Sandwiches mm. with dripping, with salt shaken on top of the dripping. Oh. I don't think. I think those must have been the least healthy things you could possibly imagine. Well, I don't. You know, that's but. that's that's up for discussion. I mean, there's there's a lot of um, you know the, the NHS is telling you don't eat saturated fat, mm. but there's a lot of scientists who disagree with. Yeah, that. there's a lot who disagree. How old was she when she died, and what did she die of? <laughs> well. Sadly, she's about 65. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe don't eat drink, dripping sandwiches. Yeah, so maybe. I mean, it leads me to a different thought, which is how do you 
pick your suppliers because there's so much greenwashing and bullshit. I mean, I they're handpicked. Yeah, you go and visit we them. We go almost. and visit all of them. Okay. That must be so much fun. It's That's so just much an fun. excuse it's to have the best fun, part right? of the, It's the best part of the job. Really Damn, I've got to go and visit that fisherman. Yeah, in no, it's, it's the best part of the job. And they're yeah. all wonderful people. They really are. Um, and, you know, it's it's really hard. Is that important that they need to be wonderful people? You need to feel a connection or that you can do business no, with well, them, no, I it's, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, byproduct of them being passionate of what they're doing. Yeah. You know, if you're really passionate about what, you, what you're doing, if you don't choose the easy way, but the right way, the, the way that kind of feels right and kind of is moral, actually, then then you, there's something in you that is interesting. What do you do about the packaging? I mean, it's the packaging that gets me down in supermarkets more than yeah, anything. I mean, look, you know, obviously plastic is not ide- ideal. Well, it, it is and isn't. It's the most amazing packaging exactly, and it's also exactly, the most terrible exactly. thing. So it's, you know, it's not ideal. It's hugely useful. Mm. Um, so, you know, we take case-by-case case decisions. I mean, obviously we try to use as little as possible We and we kind of keep thinking about solutions of reducing it, but you can't avoid it altogether. Mm. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm not beating myself up. It's extremely useful. If you can, if you can replace it, great. If you can't replace it, well, we'll have to stick with it until a replacement comes and, and one will come. They're coming. What, what do you think the biggest problem is facing kind of your industry? I think you'll, you'll hear the same from any, from any person in any industry. It's always about the people. Um, it's, it's really difficult. Is to, it still a massive problem in restaurants? What, finding, find, finding the right huge, people? Huge, huge, huge. Yeah, and it's particularly, you know, Brexit definitely didn't help. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's a global problem though, sort of thing. I can't quite work it out. I think I, think I know the answer. Uh, my old man would say we should have had a recession. And we didn't. Like, we, you know, he would say, not that, it, not that it's a very popular comment, mm. you know, we, 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 we quantitative easing, we propped everything up and it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So people haven't had the pain to say, fuck. So they're having a problem fulfilling jobs of del- delivery drivers because, and then there's all these people who could do it, but they say, well, I don't want to do that. That's shitter than what I used to do. And I don't want to, you know, get on a bike or whatever. But if they've been through like, they fucking don't have a job. They would just be like, what do I need to do? So, and I mean, that's tough, but... But it is like, to be fair, you know, like when I was at law school, I was a chef. So I used to go and work in, in the restaurant in the evenings at law school. And it is a bit of a shit job because you're in a kitchen, you know, particularly in the summer, absolutely boiling over a stove and everybody else is out drinking and, and eating and having a nice time because they have to be out doing that for you to have a job. Yeah. And, you know, people don't want to do it forever because it's kind of a bit miserable because mm. you're, the, you're the one working when everybody else is playing. What, what's your biggest fuck-up, would you say? Um, I had a big fuck-up in Dr. Lange days. We, we, um, I really pushed to start a kind of casual concept mm-hmm. uh, called Sesame. It failed for many reasons, but it was... It's something that I was really pushing for. What do you mean, a casual concept, a product range? Or? It was like, like a, what they call a QSR restaurant, quick service restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of Mediterranean, mainly grilled meats. And, uh, Basically yeah. a kebab shop. Yeah, glorified kebab <laughs> show, if you can call it that. Yes. And that you underestimated. I, I've, I've had, um, God, they were, they were from Australia and they tried to do a sort of, 
yeah, it was basically a kebab shop. I think they underestimated how many, uh, you know, kebab shops we have. You know, we're like... It was very different. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very different. <laughs> no, I was kidding. It's, yeah, it's a good... I'll go good along joke. with the joke, but yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. Well, your mistake within that makes sounds like you're feeling that you you were the one sort of... It sort of hurt, it hurt, hurt the ego kind of thing. Yeah, it was kind of my... Uh, it was a moment of hubris, let's put it this way. Yeah. <laughs> And you just sort of had it in your idea that this has got to work. Yeah, because, you know, Otolinga was going so so well. And, I, you know, I was like, oh, you know, anything we touch is going to become gold. But turns out not to be the case. Mm-hmm. And so what did you learn from that? You're not always right. Yeah. Sounds, uh, it sounds like you'd be mostly right in your life. Because you said you're good at decision making. And, and actually, if you look at all the sort of mathematics or the sort of science of it, it's like, you know, making a decision is what's most important and making them quickly, you know. And that, that breeds success more than getting it right all the time, you yeah. know. But you, you have to also have a, a pessimistic voice and kind of, I, I, I've, sent, I've sent it on holiday <laughs> during that period. You, okay. Yeah, I also think that, you know, just over the last few years, those kind of QSR-style kind of eateries really had it rough because people, you know, okay, lockdown was lockdown, but people, even in a cost-of-living crisis, will still go to a destination restaurant to yeah. have a nice meal and spend time doing it, but they won't spend money on a sandwich at lunchtime because they'll bring it from home or they won't, you Correct. know, they won't just go and grab something because it's just you know, save the pennies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the level of competition is a lot, a lot higher. Can Will restaurants buy your products? No, no, it would be too expensive for restaurants. It would be too expensive, yeah. Because Natura kind of does a bit of both, doesn't it? I mean, Correct. do you see them as, are they a competitor, would you say? I mean, they have a slightly Not really. I mean, they're, they're kind of customer face. I mean, it's mainly B2B business. Um, they have a few retail shops. I don't think they do a lot of online business. Well, during uh, COVID, I learned they were B2B because I ordered loads of stuff for them, but I hadn't quite taken in how much we were going to get this stuff around. Were you fooled by oh the sizes God, on the internet? Oh my God, you've never seen more eggs in your life. Mind you, they were the best eggs we ever had, but I was just giving away eggs you to making omelets for days. Oh my God, everything comes by like, you know, like fucking hell. I remember it all arrived and my <laughs> wife was like, what have you done? But do you, I don't remember, at the start of COVID, there was some crisis getting, like you couldn't get stuff. Well, you couldn't get, yeah, Lou Roll and... No, but it was, was more it? than Lou Roll because that's what yeah, I ordered no, from I was like, don't worry, I'll fuck, I've got this app, you know. We're, we're and flour, because everybody was baking their own bread. Do you remember that bit? Oh, my God. Anyway, I miss the eggs. People, my friends still talk, oh, we can get me more of those eggs. It's like I'm not turning into a wholesaler. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. Straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What do you think is bullshit in your industry and why? I mean, you know, marketing departments are getting a very long leash. Um, so, marketing departments get a long leash. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of words and sometimes not enough action. To what extent does cover to what you're saying, right? I mean, mm. people use to, like to use a lot of words. Is there really... Um, Substance, oh, substance behind me. Oh God, you talking about people talking bullshit and marketing? Oh man, I have like a like I have a massive problem with it, and I spend my life trying to fix it. Even in our own business, it was just things like you know we're always thinking about our clients. No, we're not. Sometimes I'm having a shit. You know, it's like <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know, know, the flip side of, of nobody hearing about it is everybody hears about it. Everybody goes if there's no substance there. 
you don't really want a client that only comes once and never, never, you know, shops from you again because their pro- your product is actually so shit. Yeah, the product's got to be good. You know. You've got to be good at what you're doing. But you're, you're, I think what you're suggesting is a bit like greenwashing is this just this language of marketing that maybe it came out of America and we've all signed up to it. And then what's happened to us, we're all so saturated with it, which is why I'm like so keen to get away from it in our own business and just just be honest. Just, 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 you know, you just say what it is because the moment you put in those adjectives or whatever they are, I think that adverb someone told me the other day, these superlatives and... My brain just shuts down. It's just, it's, this is just nonsense again. But, you know, like you go to America and Americans would say to us, and they have done when we've been over there, you know, you don't, you British don't sell yourselves properly. Yeah. You know, like, because they all, you know, it's all superlatives and everything's amazing and they're the best at what they do. And that's what they're all, all telling. But I kind of feel if everybody's telling you that, you've still got to try and sort out the truth from the bollocks. Yeah, for sure. Will it become? It's very hard to find out in America who's failing. It's really easy to find out in England because everyone tells you they're failing. You know, <laughs> everyone's like, oh, "It's not going well." Actually, to it be could honest. be better. You got, you got any money? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Noam, welcome to the five second rule. This is where we're going to ask you a list of questions to get to know you a little better. Okay. And you have about five seconds, this never works, but it's not because of you, to answer each question. All right, I'll try. DQ the music. <clears throat> what was your first job? Uh, I was a waiter. And I always thought, oh, can I... Can yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can. <laughs> Why not? We screwed it already. Let's go for it. Okay. And I always thought... If I had this question, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this, I'll do that. And then I was like, who are you kidding? Because owning a restaurant was never, ever in my plan. And then it was, I, find it, I found it very, very funny that I ended up, I did, I ended up owning quite I a few restaurants. I think teach all waiters to say, excellent choice, sir. After anything you <laughs> order, it would make my life so much happier. <laughs> what was your worst job? Um, I worked in the city for a few months. Um, I finished my MBA. It was the... It was a dot-com boom. Yeah. Uh, friend said, oh, you know, he had some money. So he kind of tried to open the investment uh, vehicle. This is all in London, was this? Or? Sorry, it Where was were in London. You? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we, we could have made a lot of money if we had been just... I mean, there was so much bullshit around. Yeah. If we were out two, three months before, we probably would have done lots of money, but we were two, two three months too late. And I, it was my only nine to five job, actually. And uh, yeah. Not for you. Not for me. Yeah, the job dot com boom. A favorite subject at school? Uh, biology. Oh. So I'm back. Yeah, so I'm back you're good with circle. words, then, that means. What? With words. What? Well, I just, that's what I struggle with in biology. I couldn't remember any of the words. Uh, no, no, but it's, it's really, I mean, this kind of this holistic thinking about, you know, food and how it's related and what, you know. I mean, I, I, I get really, really interested in what the farmers are doing. I mean, I can grill them for an hour about, you know, what fertilizers they, they gave up and... The tractor. What uh, implications it had, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they love it, you know. It's like, wow, someone is really listening to me now. Oh, Somebody nice. cares. Yeah. What's your special skill? Um... I think I can take decisions um, based on very little information. Decisive. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've got, I've got kind of quite a holistic view of stuff. So I'm not always right, but I can, I can make decisions quite early. What did you want to be when you grew up? A uh, doctor. Did you? Mm. Mm. Uh, what did your parents want you to be? Uh, same. 
Yeah. This is one of the very rare Good times Good man. where parents and child want well, the same thing. Obviously, it didn't happen. What's your vice? Um, I'm a bit lazy. Oh, you and me both. I'm not sure what what's is that, is that Is that physical physical laziness, you mean? I mean, you, you look like you're in tip-top, you know, physical... Uh, no, no, no. My, I guess you can say my, my other vice is the gym. But, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, my sister once said, oh, you're a bit like a lion on a, on a branch. You try not to do much and then you jump <laughs> and try to do the most in one second. Oh, that's lush. Podcasts, any books that you think we should read? Recipe books. I read the uh, <laughs> Otolenghi recipe books. Yes, yeah. they all go down. Um, I read I read the Lincoln Highway. That's a really good book. Okay. What's it called? Uh, Lincoln Highway. Oh, the Lincoln Highway. Yeah, it's really good. Well, it's been a uh, great fun. It's been really nice to meet you. Now. Um, is there anything you'd love to tell the world? Tell tell them where they find you. I mean, the, the link will be on the website, I'm sure. But do you want to pitch wild? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the products are amazing. I mean, the fish are fish like you've never had. The meat is the healthiest meat you can have. Uh, got amazing eggs from, you know, I saw the hands kind of walking around the, I mean, these are hands that do actually go. <laughs> do go out. Go out, yeah. <laughs> and peck in the apple orchard. Yeah. Uh, so they've got, you know, the apples. they got the trees, yeah. they got the apples in the hands. Uh, so they've got kind of apple stuffing. Yeah, yes. lovely. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you know, every, everything you buy, you know which producer it's from and all these people are amazing people. So it's amazing produce. It's a really good thing. Very good. Brilliant. And that was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. A big thank you to Gnome for joining us. And we'll be back on Friday with our quiz, Business or Bullshit. In the meantime, it's ciao.